Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. That wasn't an intro. It didn't start. Why didn't it start? That's okay. okay. That's all right. Hang on a second. It's it's starting now. Really? Folks, this is one and only View the Girl Economist. We have with us the man of the hour who needs no introduction. It is the one and only Matthew Eric. You can find him over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, or the Rising Tide Foundation.net, which I call the Library of Alexandria and all things multipolar on the internet. The one and only Matthew Eric and his wife, Cynthia, contribute there. And subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to his Substack. Substack.com forward slash Matthew Eric. The links will be in the description box and get his books. Incredible, incredible, bombastic, amazing. The Clash of the Two Americas, Volume One, Volume Two, and Volume Three. You have to get them all three to make it a complete set. Actually, soon, Volume Four. Yes. uh, Which is coming. It's coming fast. But he's he's pumping it out like it's the the Encyclopedia Britannica. But but, yeah. but that doesn't lie to you as much. <laughs> um, oh, shut up! You do a great job. Your books are fucking amazing, man. It's amazing books. Well, thank I you. I love thank them. You very much. V. Thank thank you. I CJ. recommend um, it to all my friends. That's uh, cool. Dude, I lots going on in the world, man. Lots going on in the world here and domestically. We have hammer attacks and underwear. We have uh, Brazil's fighting for its life. You have George Soros come out and and uh, throw his support behind Lula. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Bolsonaro has got you know, doing an audit on the, on the election there. You have the situation in Ukraine. All of a sudden it's starting to, you know, the, the biggest military offensive has yet to begin. Russia's Ukraine is, 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 is the, the gas is leaving the tank in Ukraine and Russia's just getting warmed up, man. There's so much to cover, man. I don't know where you want to take us, but take us by the scruff of our necks and drag <laughs> us into the deep end of the pool brother go for it there there is i mean everything is inter- interconnected so we we leap into this into this discussion with the faith that we'll somehow you know touch every possible base that at least matters on an important level and we'll see where it goes um but definitely i mean here in canada i'll just say this i'm i'm in canada so i'll start from that um the uh <laughs> we just had unveiled here in Canada new a new form of financing, a new mechanism for providing support to the uh, the beleaguered freedom fighters of Ukraine against the uh, evil, rusky, neo-Stalinist global 
one world governmentalists, uh, atheist. To, yeah, anyway, you can, you can go on for a while with these slanders. But the, this new mechanism is that people can now buy Ukrainian victory bonds. Oh, so I like can't did, wait. Yeah. Where can I get this overinflated, valueless uh, financial instrument that I can invest my hard-earned money into, Matthew? Well, every citizen now can take part of their paycheck, buy a little victory bond with a five to ten year maturation and make sure that that uh, is equivalent then to capitalizing at least half of a gun for a, uh, a Ukraine, a Ukrainian militia member who is being thrown like a human weapon or a human grenade into the fodder. Um, it, it's absurd. And, you know, the irony of this whole thing is that this is actually a good mechanism. I, I mean, if you look at like how it is that we were able to defeat the the rise of Wall Street sponsored fascism back in the 1940s, victory bonds played a key role, you know, and the idea yeah. of having your citizens being able to invest in some mission orientation that is good for society. That's actually a great idea. That's how Lincoln financed the uh, the transcontinental railway with these five to 20 year maturation bonds that were purely tied to infrastructure growth and increased national production of the nation as a whole. So it's a great idea that could only be done through the conduit of some form of national banking mechanism in Canada. We have some good mechanisms like a Bank of Canada, um, which is mostly public. Uh, we also have a Canadian Infrastructure Invest uh, Development Bank, another good on the surface idea. But if you have these, these tools used by a death cult, um, obviously they will be used to do destruction. And this is what's confusing a lot of truth seekers uh, and freedom lovers that I know, both in Canada and beyond, is that they see that these instruments have been so badly used for enslavement and destruction of humanity that they can't even fathom how the fight for a national bank or the idea of government uh, government as a weapon to do battle with the oligarchy, they can't even fathom how that could possibly work. They can't think about how JFK did it, how FDR or Lincoln or today how Putin or his allies in China are actually utilizing the power of the nation and the power of public banking. They can't think about that because they've been so traumatized by these, you know, basically, again, death cult running your governments for a little bit too long. So they tend to fall into this like, oh, I better just the only way we can fight the oligarchy is to detach ourselves from any type of, you know, well, basically go into like little mini micro communities, you know, live off the land, yada, yada. And I'm not saying that that it may not come to that. I'm not saying that. <laughs> but at the same time, that is not a solution. That's actually falling into the hands of the very enemy that you you, you don't like because they want divided to to be easily like divide to conquer. That's the whole idea. Right. And if you can get everybody in little micro communities in survivalist mentalities without thinking about taking back control of their government in an organized, lawful way. Uh, you kind of fall right into their hands because the infrastructure you still rely upon water systems, water management, electricity is not something that can easily just be provided for billions of people living off the grid. Uh, these things can be and will be manipulated by those who have taken control of these structures. So that's, yeah. a, that's an important point. You know, it's uh, remarkable to me that I want, I want to know who the financial institution is that's, that's facilitating the sale of these bonds. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's BlackRock linked in some way. Probably. I mean, there there's different surface appearances for some of this stuff. Like in Canada, you know, we, we've been seeing the biggest real estate transfer, agriculture transfer as well, where there's been a glut. Like for, for the last year and a half, 
the prices of houses, of land, real estate especially, has been exploding. And people have been receiving money that is more than the market value of their houses en masse, which has caused, again, the prices on average of houses right now being 25 to 30% more of what they were same time last year. Now that's that seems to be ending. But it's like, where who's buying those things? And it does seem to be a similar process as we've seen in the U.S. with Vanguard, BlackRock, uh, State Street that have been the shell companies, the 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 um, that have been the actual power brokers making these purchases using front groups. Oftentimes, that people don't recognize. They they make it makes it seem like it's a, a local buyer coming around offering you cash money for your house, and people are are. Uh, increasingly finding themselves uh, accepting that because they're like, okay, it's too much stress to own a house or to own land. I'll just, I'll take this money cash in. It's more than I paid anyway. And uh, you know, I'll just rent and uh, it's a wealth, it's, it is a wealth transfer. So as far as Canada, I don't see it having they're they're operating in a slightly different way, but I, I would not be surprised. Like you said, V, if we scratched a little bit and were to find the exact same controllers managing this policy as well. Very likely. Very likely. But Putin, I mean, again, like, I, I I get so much hope. Whenever I listen to a Putin speech, and I, I oh, really amazing. recommend people get their daily dose of Putin by going to Taz, going to wherever they can, Sputnik. Where do you go uh, to get your daily dose of, uh, of Vlad? Well, daily is a bit of an exaggeration, but uh, Taz is a pretty good site that gives you uh, English translations of most everything that is produced by Lavrov, by Putin, by others. Um, but he made, he made the point, um, just at the Valdai speech that he had delivered, not that, I mean, just days ago that, um, I'll just read a little segment. Cause I think, I think it's valuable just to uh, get a sense of a quality of statecraft that is existent today, which is scaring the oligarchy. And that represents a viable functional pathway. And he said, we are in a revolutionary situation. The situation is to a certain, or is to a certain extent revolutionary. That sounds like a repetition. Um, the upper classes cannot and the lower ca classes do not want to live like this anymore. The future of the new world order is being shaped before our eyes. And right there, um, I, I've actually seen some people who just flip out. They're nominalists, you know, conspiracy theory traumatized nominalists who don't know how to think in a more nuanced way. And they just heard the word uh, new world order in the in the phrasing. And they, jumped onto, and they melted down writing articles and freaking out about how, look, that's proof that Putin is in on the new world order. And it's like, no, there's going to be a new order. It's it's this old system is not going to come back. It's just it was designed to collapse. Right. Because the new world order is actually the old world order. Yeah, exactly. And so he's really referring to the idea that, yes, there will be a new order, but it's going to be a new new world order. This is not this the old idea of feudalism like we've been taught. And you could see that by virtue of the actions and policies that are all vectored around an idea of defending the ancient civilizational traditions and power structures that have preserved and given rise to the best of the human condition over the past centuries, if not longer. And, um, and he even said it, he said, you know, and this is a very important lesson to differentiate that the West is not one homogenous blob, which a lot of even Westerners tend to think of it as one homogenous blob, like poor idiot Greta, you know, who's just come out, released her new book in London uh, this oh, week. Oh, she did? I have to get it. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've, I've ordered it. Uh, it's I'll, about the overthrow of capitalism. So It is. Wait a minute, so exactly. it wasn't about the environment, was it? Well, the environment was always a symptom of the oh. intrinsic, exploitative, racist nature of colonial capitalism. So, yeah, you know, if you want to get at the 
the the problem you have to get at the heart and the soul of it which is humanity itself which has you know been under false traditions for thousands of years that's really the the thing that has to be overthrown in in a in a new crusade um and it really is a crusade it's a cru i mean the the oligarchy you had to keep in mind the, the crusade itself and i'll get back to putin um annihilated europe People yeah. say, and the oligarchy, you could read some of their writings. And Cynthia, you know, she's going to be writing her or publishing her new book on Saturday. It's, oh, uh, it's going to be uh, the the empire on which the black sun never set. Oh, the empire of the black sun. Yeah. And there, and we, we've done a little uh, visual uh, pun, so-called, with um, the black sun of the occult, the Nazi uh, symbol sure. rising um, or setting with upon a sort of a a flag with the uh, the US and British flags sort of streaming towards it as if they were water and it's creepy and interesting and uh, but she made the point you know she's been reading a lot of the writings of the founders of the uh, the European Union idea and the current configuration of the world government agenda going back to the 19th century and some of the key figures that's it right there yeah black sun yep. vehicle that's Slava Kokaina Slava Kokaina Representing the black sun. Yeah. And people notice there, there's that picture on the, of the, uh, the NATO symbol. Um, if you close that one, um, yeah, close that image, go scroll up a moment. Just scroll up, scroll up a little bit more. Oh, you're up. Scroll down. Sorry. There is a NATO symbol. Look for the NATO symbol. Scroll down a bit more. Yeah. Right there. there Bottom left. That was a controversy, which was probably not as much of an accident as many people thought, which is that. So NATO what is that symbol? International Women's Day, um, basically posted on their on their uh, Twitter channel, a, a woman fighter in Ukraine, and uh, they I don't know whether they neglected or whether there was subtle imagery paying uh, respect to the actual nature of these women fighter or that that particular woman fighter in the the militias of Ukraine, and you see that little red circle zeroing in on her patch on her uh on her gear which is the black son of the nazi black son of the occult and this is like nato celebrating it directly um they, they ended up taking it down like 48 hour, 48 hours later or so uh because the backlash obviously was a bit embarrassing but that was around the same time that christia freeland as well as canada our deputy prime minister with some strange uh nazi family connections as most people i believe know was caught uh holding up the um, the Slava Ukraina, the 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 you, um, the, the Thunderbolt. Was that? She was holding the flag that had the uh, the OUN, the uh, the Organization well, of Ukrainian Nationalists. Uh, yes, the Thunderbolt. It's like a it's like a play on the uh, on, on the SS Thunderbolt. I think it is right. Well, this was different. This is the, this is the flag with the the black and red uh, symbolism and imagery of the OUN. Which was the Mikola Lebed and Stefan Bandera, uh, fascists of Ukraine of the forties, mm -hmm. uh, indicating the black soil of Ukraine and the red blood of the people. It's a blood and soil cult idea of nationalism that was being revived. Sure. And so she was holding this thing up and posted it on her own uh, Twitter channel for her followers to see until that was taken down around the same time. So why am I saying this? I'm saying this because when you read the writings of those who were the architects of this whole program, including the rise of 20th century fascism, which there emerged is. out of a, a very strange sect of Luciferians in Switzerland, <laughs> of all places, um, in the 19th century. And, uh, and, and a certain thing called the Young, the young Europe uh, movement being that was coordinated by a fellow 
um, tied to British intelligence, who was an Italian Freemason named Giuseppe Mazzini. Mazzini, um, right. And this whole process uh, was unleashed. And um, when you look at their writings and you look at the people like Count uh, Kalergi, uh, Kudenhove Kalergi, who's going to play a big role in Cynthia's book and who I've brought up quite a few times, they're very clear that the Crusades, that was the point why I'm saying all this, the Crusades is a period of world history that they look upon with great fondness. Why? Because it was a moment when all of Europe, with all of its differences, was united around one singular cause. Because ultimately, if you're going to be able to have a system of social controls, you need to have a purpose animating the hearts of the different victims within that social process. And with Europe, it's very difficult because there's so many different types of languages, different types of peoples, very hard to get them to, to work together on anything common. Um, if you're an oligarch, I mean, it's very easy to do that if you actually care about people and you want to get people to, let's say, you know, uh, create abundance of food production or build infrastructure together. You'll find that just like children of different skin colors and languages, if you get a bunch of two or three year olds together in a playpen, they'll play together organically. So it's the same sort of thing that's that you find with human beings who are being given an honest playing field with an actual honest um, process that they're participating in, which involves them cooperating, working, learning from each other. That's a natural human thing. But if you're an oligarch and you want to try to unite people, you don't allow that to happen. You can only control by fear, right? By keeping people in a state of paranoia and ignorance. And those types of people are very difficult to corral under one direction, in a sense, unless you can get an enemy image. So the Crusades, which were cooked up, again, by, by various pre-proto Masonic units, that were then operating throughout the uh, ultramontane papacy. There were there are certain groupings that were sort of carryovers that had trans transformed some of the sects and rites of initiation of the Roman uh, oligarchy and priesthood um, into new sort of Christian veneers. And you had honest Christians too, people of the Augustinian Platonic tradition operating within the church as well, who actually loved humankind and actually were fighting against this oligarchical rot. But you had this other thing, too. And again, ultramontanist, um, this is what gave rise to, well, what it means is a, the faction that believed it was the papacy's role to both control the spiritual as well as the material domain, both both worlds, with um, so both political and spiritual controls and manipulation, because that type of papacy would be easy to use as a tool by a higher priesthood that would control the position of whoever was there. Um, as an as an arm for geopolitical manipulation. So a key figure was, um, um, what's his name? Uh, today he's, he's been sainted. Uh, I don't know how that worked, but uh, basically it's a, it's a fellow by the name of, ooh, it'll come to me later. I just, the name has just escaped me, but a leading grand strategist who was an enemy of Peter Abelard um, created a new type of approach called the Knights Templar in the uh, the late 10th century, early early 11th century, which created a, essentially um, a new cult, a Manichaean cult. And that was pretty much the forerunners of many of the root groups in the West that became later on the other famous and well-to-do uh, secret societies, yeah, uh, like the Baconians, the Illuminati, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and a lot of the the rites of initiation, the stories that were created as part of the brainwashing process, the depatterning, because it's it's a, it's sort of uh, what you have with a lot of these rites of initiations that go back to, I mean, ancient Babylon and, and Athens and, and Greece, 
in uh, Rome afterwards is uh, are techniques that have been refined to bring initiates through a depatterning of their old identities and a reconstruction of their identities around something more conducive to the geopolitical aims of an empire. And in fact, another plug, we've, um, Cynthia, myself, and a friend of ours who's a, an amazing film producer named Jason Dahl, an Ottawa-based film producer, he's helped us make a few of our, our uh, essays into documentaries recently. And he, we've just finished putting the finishing touches on a new 35-minute documentary, which will be out as well in about a day or two, uh, to, to coincide with Cynthia's re uh, book release called The Occult Roots of Secret Societies and oh, wow. Intelligence Operations, going back to the stories of King Croesus of Lydia and the cult of Delphi, the cult of Apollo at Delphi, um, which was the center command structure that was able to utilize an, an idiot initiate like Croesus was, who was a king trying to defend his empire from the encroaching Persian empire, pushing onto his border. And they were able to manipulate him with his, his uh, fanatical beliefs in mysticism into basically destroying his own people and his own um, empire. Um, and ultimately, we, we trace the evolution of this thing all the way up through Albert Pike's reforms and revivalist uh, revival of this technique in the form of the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry and J. Edgar Hoover and J. Edgar Hoover's role. Sorry, no incoming, there. Matt. Incoming. Hit the deck! Yeah, the uh, I thought they were real birds, but I guess they're just like me mechanized. Birds dogs. aren't real. You, you heard about that movement, right? Huh? You heard about a movie called Birds Aren't Real? No, I never heard of that. That's oh, the most hilarious thing in the world. But go ahead. Is that a real thing? Is that like a it's a real thing? thing. Yeah, yeah, they believe that birds aren't real. That they're they're actually flying drones and all this other stuff. And it, well, it, it's, it's, it's yeah, a little it's bit like, of evidence for their uh, <laughs> their paranoia <laughs> so, yeah. just now. Yeah, he's saying something dangerous. Make some noise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's hilarious. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, like what these guys did with the Templars, they just revived this technique and the Templars were created to provide sort of a fanatical front drive to both uh, creating a new war against the Islamic world instead of continuing the previous traditions that had been created by people like Charlemagne uh, earlier, who had a Christian Muslim alliance based upon cooperation, sharing of ideas, technology, science and trade. This is like the, the heart of the best elements of modern capitalism came out of this um, really spiritual program by Charlemagne, Harun al-Rashid and their uh, their children, which was sabotaged. And also the, the, you know, the Tang Dynasty of China played a key role because they had revived the Silk Road process in 680 uh, AD, which was all premised around the idea of a foreign policy based on the outreach and cooperation sharing with your neighbors and when you share in ideas with your neighbors of different cultures and language groups, you come to a better understanding of what makes you all universally human. Um, the Jewish kingdom of Khazaria also played a key important positive role in this process when it was when it had converted from a Turkish sort of Confucian uh, ethical, ethical kingdom into Judaism in 750. But and Kanye West told us that that Jews are bad. Yeah, I know. Yeah, well, you know, he's good-hearted, confused guy. Um, seems like he's <laughs> self-sabotaging like crazy these days, though. I, uh, I, dude, I, he's he's randomly showing up at corporate headquarters all throughout the world, uh, you know, for collaborations. He was just kicked out of Skechers. He got kicked out of Goodwill, which is like the uh, you know the uh, uh, consignment shop. 
It's like for you know where you know, for secondhand stores. Yeah. <laughs> so oh no. Are you serious? Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Damn, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's next. I wish he had a bit more subtlety. Uh, but CJ, no. if yeah. if if uh, if Kanye West comes to you, CJ, for a collaboration, just say yes. Yeah, might as well, right? I mean, there's just disavow the anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, all that to say, you know, like they're what I'm trying to paint here is that the the oligarchy was afraid of a very natural, real, provable uh, Renaissance tradition in humankind, which demonstrated itself to great success with the and again. People, <clears throat> there's a lot of conspiracy theories that have been created by myth makers uh, in order to blind truth seekers from actually recognizing this period of history. And a lot of work has gone into this. People like Al uh, Arthur Kistler with his um, 13th tribe has uh, was sort of, I guess, the godfather of this. David Icke jumped on board to try to paint the idea that the Jewish uh, conspiracy of the Rothschilds and the Sassoons and all of these things are actually is rooted in the evil Khazarians of uh, that that overlap today's Ukraine and some of your, uh, Russia uh, that that it's just an evil evil zone back then of slave traders rapists killers anybody who went in there would turn into uh, would either die or be robbed or, or become a slave and they just created this caricature like Mordor and the reality is if you look at the role of Judaism as part of a key like the reason why this whole ecumenical alliance of cooperation was success, what it was vital that the 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 Jewish uh, networks, both within Baghdad as well as within Charlemagne's kingdom, as well as in Khazaria, arranged diplomatic channels of progress going all the way down to China. Um, the the Radonite Jewish traders were the ones who managed the key Silk Road trade routes, both in the north through the steppes, Silk Road in the north in today's Russia, as well as through the the, the south. In, uh, in Baghdad, the Middle East, all the way down, like I said, into Asia. Um, <clears throat> so this has been like intentionally obscured, destroyed, wiped off the map. There's hardly any empirical evidence. Very little has survived the years. Um, but it was, a, it's called, like we had three Renaissance processes that are openly acknowledged that were co-happening at the same time between the Tang Dynasty Renaissance at that same time as you had the Carolingian Renaissance and the Abbasid Renaissance, all three Renaissances, which means explosions and new discoveries, creations, artistic discoveries, architecture, ideas, um, science, and also longevity, powers of productivity. All of these things were increasing um, across each of these three zones. So to say that that was at the heart of today's evil is just the biggest sleight of hand. Now, what was really being done is that the oligarchy was trying to get everybody to fight each other based on their, their linguistic and religious differences for geopolitical purposes and nothing more. So what they did with the Templars was finally, they had already been trying for 200 years to get the Christians to fight the Muslims. It was failing because you, again, you had people who were thinkers and who could think about something greater. And Harun al-Rashid, you know, at a certain point when it was getting dangerous and, and Charlemagne was being pulled ever more into this idea that he'd have to go in and accommodate the masses who were being induced to protest or call for a crusade to take back the Holy land from the, the heathens. Um, the, 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 I, the solution was Harun al-Rashid, the head of the Abbasids sent an envoy with a giant elephant as a gift and gold and silk. And with that was a deed that gave Charlemagne ownership of the Holy land. And it was brilliant because he basically said, okay, you own the Holy land. It's yours. We will guard it, but it is yours. You, we, so thus you don't have to fight us because we gave it to you. 
And something similar was done with the Jewish kingdom of Khazaria too. It, the Jewish kingdom of Khazaria never had its own Jewish soldiers. They had an arrangement with the Muslim, with again, the, the Abbasid dynasty, where they had a Muslim army that would defend Khazaria. And the, the treaty that was signed was that only under the condition that there would be a war between that the Jews launch and, and cause with the, the Muslim world, then we would go to war against you. But it was, we lived, they lived in the Jewish kingdom um, for generations. But, but I, I, I thought, I thought Muslims hate Jews. So it's a beautiful paradigm changer, right? It really does. Uh, uh, I, 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 I thought them Palestinians were like, you know, evil people. And uh, we got to fight them there before we fight them here. And, uh, they hate us because of our freedoms and stuff, and the Jews and the Muslims. What a paradigm change, right? I mean, oh seriously. It I mean, everything. You know, the most heartwarming thing to me was in Syria, where you had Christians, Muslims, and and, and even a few Jews that are, that are that are in Syria. Oh my God, Jews in Syria, Jews in Iran. What what what's going on? And they're coming together to fight ISIS, which is a U.S. intelligence-backed organization. Well, let me throw another point. another twist at Go you ahead. too here, right? Jews, uh, uh, Muslims in um, China, right? So everyone knows that the, that West China has a lot of Muslims in the Uyghur region, Xinjiang. A concentration uh, camps. Ah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do they come from? <laughs> Where do they come from? Right. The and if you region. look at it, this tradition of having like a big chunk of your population in the West as who are Muslim comes from again the Abbasid dynasty, which had. Um, been called upon by the the Chinese, the early Chi uh, Chinese uh, Tang Dynasty, to stop a civil war where there was a, um, you know, they they had just consolidated a nation after four hundred years of dark age warring states uh, between two hundred and, and around six thirty uh, A.D. It was chaos. It was hell. There was population collapse. It was it was anything goes, and China was going into uh, it was just a bad place. Um, so they only recently consolidated um, power, the sort of similar process that Charlemagne had done by consolidating the different warring warlord zones in the the, the post, you know, West Roman Empire region where you had Oscoths, Visigoths, all these yeah. different groups Gauls. that were all trying to, you know, claim control of the zone. But it was Charlemagne and specifically the Irish uh, Augustinian tradition that had worked with the Frankish kings the Frankish uh, uh, statesman that is what Charlemagne rose out of who put online a, a grand strategy that allowed for the unification once more in a similar way with a similar philosophical moral paradigm as what we had seen in China around the revival of Confucianism, which is very similar to Platonic uh, Augustinianism. Both were being revived at the same time, but there was a civil war danger and China was being pulled into this very dangerous thing where one of their generals basically declared himself emperor and uh, and they didn't have the the means to carry out that civil war and keep the king, kingdom united. And they called upon the Muslims to help out. And they they, they did. And as a, as a thank you, I think it was something like 5,000 Muslim soldiers were brought in uh, to help with that cause. But as a thank you, they basically gave them land uh, free of charge to stay and, stay and settle in the west of China. And that's where the Muslims today had had ar arisen from from China. It was again a very very international ecumenical idea. I and mean, Charlemagne too. You got to keep in mind, he had provided uh, the 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 area of the kingdom of Narbonne, which was part of his kingdom, uh, as a Jewish kingdom 
Um, he had deployed somebody from the house of basically to find an heir to the house of David from Baghdad who came, he made him uh, the king of Narbonne, southern southern France today, and a key strategic port around the uh, the maritime Silk Road zone back then. And um, and he married, I think it was his daughter. He married to this uh, Jewish king as an as an, a Christian Jewish uh, marriage of alliance. Um, but you had this, and, and even in Khazaria, you know, like the Khazarian kingdom, it wasn't a, a a state with laws that were were produced entirely by Jews. You you had a supreme court which managed all the laws of the state. And it had on its seven man body, uh, two Christians, two Jews, two Muslims, um, and one, one, um, pagan from Greece. So, I mean, you, you had, again, this, this very strong idea of how do you overcome the drive and the trappings by the oligarchy to get us to fight each other in new crusades. So it took 200 years after Charlemagne dies to, and, uh, and his kingdom to get carved up by his idiot grandkids. Um, who basically allow for Venetians and certain ultramontanists from Rome to manage all of the diplomacy. They, they just don't like thinking for themselves and they, they allow their kingdoms to be taken over. Charlemagne's kingdom is cut up. And if you want to know where like the origins of today's borders of Europe come from, you got to go to the car the arbitrary carving up of these zones around the east, west and middle of Lotharingia uh, kingdom, which then was subparsoned and, and and, you know, parceled down more and more to become today's modern borders of Europe. But all of this was then channeled with that chaos and confusion and loss of their traditions, that ignorance was able to be channeled by these, these grand strategists into a new crusade, whereby finally they were able to get a bunch of, again, young idiots, um, fanatics, to think it was their duty. And they were being, you know, you had networks of these Freemasonic or proto-Freemasonic Templar or Knights Hospitalier operations both within the holy land within places like solomon's temple which is where they did a lot of their occult rituals and again they believed in this sort of idea after passing through the rites of initiation that good had no self-evident existence it was just the universe was balanced by evil and good uh, and 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 thus god is is kind of like a bipolar schizophrenic god um and if you have like in that world you know that that brainwashing is like you could justify evil because you could always say a good will come out of the evil I do and you're, you're mushy brained, but they were creating these hospitalier. It's not like hospital, but which emanated out of the Templar movement were creating hostels and zones to bring in and house the soldiers who were being sent in as cannon fodder into an insane war that had no real purpose. And there were four crusades or I think more, I think there were like mm -hmm. six crusades. Um, during this, this period. And some of this involved as, as propaganda, uh, getting children. You had things like during this time, um, the children's crusade, very reminiscent of the sort of thing that, that is being used to create poor synthetic Greta, um, where the children, they were something like 13,000 children who were, uh, recruited to follow this, uh, messianic young kid who was like 12 years old named Steven. And this kid was, you know, basically brainwashed or he had handlers, obviously, and induced to believe that he had seen the light of an angel who told him that he has to, you know, lead the West into uh, saving the, the Holy Land. And they had tens of thousands. It grew up far into tens of thousands of kids who were basically sent off on boats without parents, no guardians, except for their, their Templar handlers. 
Nobody ever knows what happened to them, but there is evidence that they were basically sold off into slavery and God knows whatever else kind of perversity was going on back then. But it, it stirred up the hearts as part of the propaganda of, of dumbed down Christians that didn't know how to think. You kind of like got it a modern one today with your little uh, rendition of, of a modern history. Um, it's, it's unfortunately a little bit too close to home, but it justified this whole thing, which again, turned Europe into a basket case of war, insanity, and splintering off of religion into sub-religious groups that were induced to then fight each other over territorial or other absurd reasons. So this is what, when, when Putin, when he was giving his speech at Valdai, he said something very important. He said, um, there, are, there are at least two Wests. This is important. The first West is traditional with a rich culture. The second is aggressive and colonial. Russia has not and does not consider itself an enemy of the West. This is so important because most people think of the West as one homogenous thing. Both the people who, who live outside of the U.S. and people in the U.S. think of it usually as something that is just intrinsically despicable or intrinsically just exceptionally good with no sense of the battle between two opposing traditions and currents like I just touched on a little bit in that one place, you know? Um, Putin is very sensitive to this fact. And when he is, and, and his, I, I'm sure his Chinese counterparts are interfacing with their Western counterparts, they know that they're, they, they've been trying for a very long time to awaken the latent, but existent better traditions of our nature. And that's why like the, the last Chinese ambassador to the United States invoked, you know, Lincoln. And he said, you know, he, he, he actually did this several times where he said, based on quoting Lincoln, that the best way to predict the future is to create it. It's not tea leaves. It's not mystical reading of, of bird guts, you know, done at a seance or a trance or some weird, you know, <laughs> seance type of process. It, you can you know the hit the future, not perfectly because it's it's subjective in the sense that it's tied to free will choices and imperfect ideas. But. Despite that, when you act upon the future, the future, it's much more likely to come into being than if you just like sit there and wait for oligarchs to go and light your world on fire. Um, and Lincoln knew that. So, you know, is there a chance that there was going to be a, uh, a a transcontinental railway in 1862? Well, if you did nothing, certainly not, you know, big, big maybe. But if he put into motion, fought for it, yeah, it increased the likelihood that it would happen. And it finally did happen in 1869. Originally, it was intended to extend beyond simply the West Coast and extend up through British Columbia into Alaska, which is why the Russians sold Alaska to America in 1867 in May, in order for it to then continue through the Bering Strait and connect to the old world of Russia, China, and beyond, which, I mean, you know, we, we talked about this immensely. That was where history was moving us in the 19th century, was a world of cooperating nation states, Russia, the USA as brothers. Russia had just saved the United States from its civil war. Um, they had adopted the Lincoln policy with protectionism. The greatest scientists were deployed like Mendeleev, um, the, the discoverer of the periodic table, was deployed uh, to the United States to study the Lincoln protective tariff and system of state credit, which he brought back and was the chairman after discovering his amazing scientific discoveries that transformed human beings as far as our relationship to the entirety of the periodic table, which is matter itself, which is produced by stars right, um, <laughs> in processes we have yet to discover. He goes and heads the Committee on the Protective Tariff, and he declares war on, on Adam Smith's free trade doctrines, which become then at the same time 
revamped under the Austrian school of the Habsburgs and their court um, intellectuals who are just whores like, you know, Karl Menger, the founder of the Austrian school of economics, who is basically just re uh, basically taking Adam Smith's insane satanic logic of, of what he said uh, capitalism was, which is just letting the demonic forces of hidden hands regulate the vices of each individual um, beast who can do nothing but pursue pleasure and avoid pain as they look to buy low and sell dear. And somehow you, out of that like chaos of anarchy, you get organized beauty and creative growth, which has never been true, mm. never been true. But they just basically took that, turned it into a, a useful uh, pseudo Smithian cult around the Habsburgs and deployed that as a new way of getting nations to undermine their own existence and, and letting go of national dirigistic controls or state banking, which was what was being used by people like Mendeleev, Sergei Vita, the allies of Lincoln across Russia, as well as, you know, the, the new emerging um, Sun Yat-sen leadership in uh, China, who were also studying Lincoln's policy and trying to bring that to China and, and did so to a certain degree, except that it was sabotaged. They were all doing the same thing. And and same thing for Russia, Otto von Bismarck. You know, you had people in the Muslim world, in the Ottoman Empire at that time. Matthew, if I could pause you for just a moment, I, th I, th I think you're right. I think it's very interesting when you look throughout history how the, the variations of religious, religious beliefs have been uh, yielded to vast, way, dating way back to what you mentioned, the, the, the holy wars, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and saints, I mean, would, would America at some point be recognized as a radical group of people who formed a, a country who were breakaway from religious beliefs, who had different things. I think religion in itself has been used to forward a lot of the wars and, and even a continuation. So, so when you look at secret societies, when you look at, you know, these, these organizations, it's a variation of, of, I think, different beliefs, different belief systems. And. And even I today with traditional religion, you know, I go to church, I believe in God and everything, but I don't, when I look at a minister or someone up there, I have different beliefs of the way that they administer religion, the way that they mm. believe, because there's a personal aspect to it. So not saying it's wrong or right, but I think throughout history, when you look at that, I think the wars have been fought were just a continuation of spiritual and religious different beliefs. Uh, yeah. Now, where the current New World Order relates to it and their agenda, the Klaus Schwab, the those things, I'm not sure if it's more of a satanic belief, but obviously they have some type of, of indoctrination that they're following based upon their belief system. I mean, obviously Hitler was able to achieve a lot and, and was able to change a lot of minds and instrumental to the change in history that occurred throughout Europe. And maybe why, uh, why the West has had a lot of success, success in Europe and continuing to lead those people down a dark path because they can be easily influenced into it. So it's, I think you nailed it in terms of, of how the spiritual, the religious, you know, tying into the secret societies that they relate. But uh, religion itself has been, you know, if you go back to some of the, the, the ancient civilizations, how they believed in first child sacrifice, right? Like some of the crazy things that have occurred throughout history, we'd look back at those things and say, well, how would, how would they ever get that accomplished? How would they ever do that where they felt it was the best thing to sacrifice their firstborn to these things? But I think history in itself has been, uh, I don't want to use the word compromise. That's not fair. But people construe those things in terms of spirituality, religious to fit their own ideologies. And then people ensue that and they will follow that to a certain extent. Yeah, well said. Well, well said. No, and I, I mean, the, the, the thing that I think I, I get as a sense in having just studied 
the techniques of, of oligarchism and, and cult creation um, over the, the millennia is, is that the, look, the oligarchy has their own idea. They, they can't create very well, right? Okay, so the oligarchy is not good at creating something new. They're good in a sense. They've refined techniques of adaption, Darwinian style adaption to subvert creative innovations. So when human beings are being human, we're being loving, we're being... Um, like I was saying, you know, our, our natural fallback position is not to go to war and fight with our neighbor. It's to work in harmony and cooperatively with our neighbors, um, even if they speak different uh, language or worship to a different named God. Our, our, our tendency is to cooperate first and foremost. And so they will, when that happens and, and the fruits of new discoveries, new arrangements of, of organization around something good happen, the oligarchy will first and foremost try to destroy it. If they can't destroy it, they try to co-opt it, right? And then destroy it later. Like, so slow destroy it if you can't destroy it. Like, like if you can't burn the heretics, if you can't take real creative scientists, call them heretics and burn them, um, then the best thing we can, the next best thing is to try to say, okay, we love science. Here's how, and they'll, and by loving it and trying to control the printing presses, like what Venice did, uh, is they like they controlled ninety percent of the the printing presses of the ancient world within the first decades after Gutenberg invented the technology. Um, then they can control the books that are published. They can control the interpretation of how these discoveries are made. And so they, what they end up doing is they say, okay, well, we'll keep the shell, the outward form of the new idea, but we'll hollow out and we'll extract the spiritual cause, what allowed that that discovery to come into being. So it's called Windegs. You keep the shell of the egg, but you take out, you extract the <laughs> the substance, leaving only wind inside. Uh, um, Socrates made fun of that. But that's sort of what I think they do with organized religion. The, the dangerous thing is always that they're, the re any type of religion and the stories associated with the religious texts tend to come from creative, generally speaking, if it's good religion, it comes from a creative place of love, of trying to figure out how to put words on transcendental concepts of God of uh, creation, things that you can't l logically just explain, you know? So stories are created, and when it's done with love, those stories will edify, will awaken the tr the truthful divine within the the, the devout uh, believer, and they will become better than they were, you know? And they'll, they'll, they'll tap into tr universal truths. Um, as we saw with the case of the platonic movement active within the Abbasid dynasty, within the Augustine, Augustinian platonic tradition, as well as the Confucian uh, system of China around the, that, that period I was talking about, you know, it's, it's, they're all, there's common themes of a loving God that made the universe in a loving, reasonable way, which we are in the image of, right. And to actualize our mature selves is to serve our conscience, to use common sense that was given as a gift by the creator regardless of what you name it, Allah or, you know, uh, you know, Yahweh or, or, uh, uh what is it? Uh, Tiang, uh, Tiangmin, um, which is sort of the, the Chinese idea of, of a kingdom of heaven, of, of a universal principle of Li, a universal cause of creation of Ren, which is a, a Chinese Confucian concept for agopic love, the love that is not selfish. So is to the degree that you tap into that, it's good. Now, what the, the oligarchy will do, like I was saying with, with their subversion of science, is they'll like allow you to keep the formula, memorize the formula and use it like a little monkey technician, but not know what type of beautiful faith in a creative, loving, harmonic God uh, was in the hearts of people like a Kepler or a Leibniz who made those discoveries and discovered something that they could then wrap in a in a, in a symbolic language called, you know, 
an algebraic language or the three laws of Kepler or something. They do the same thing with religion. And, and so they, they will they will take the form of it, the rituals associated with it, but they'll extract the 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 heart of a of what animated Christ to say, you know, forgive them, they know not what they do, or to like, you know, give his his beautiful messages uh and lessons uh throughout his life. They'll just extract the the that stuff. So in that sense, the oligarchy, when you actually look at a lot of their Masonic uh, beliefs, they also want a form of ecumenicism, a harmonization of the different faiths. That's that's what Pope Francis. And by the way, Patriarch Kirill uh, last week gave a strong speech, both denouncing unipolarism, uh, but he basically made it a point that we are at war in truth against the Antichrist. <laughs> and oh, it's, wow. It's, yeah, wow. He, he took a biblical there, you know, but, wow. but you compare that to his counterpart. Pope Francis, the Jesuit, which itself emerged out of this weird Masonic order uh, in Venice, the Jesuits. Yeah, uh, he's calling for the what a, 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 an ecumenical unification of all of the different faiths—Buddhism and Hinduism and and shamanism and and Christianity and Judaism—all under one roof. And oh, because we'll all just agree to, to just a, a big spiritual mass hug or something. No, that, that's taking the weakest, most superficial components of every single faith and unifying it around some big uh, stew that has no principled meaning. And that's that's what's there in the that's why in a lot of the Masonic orders they they feature like, you know, Hebrew words and Muslim texts and Egyptian paraphernalia and Babylonian stuff and Chinese stuff and Confucian. So they, they're trying to artificially fit together a fake unification. And sure. it's premised around the idea of again a new crusade around synthetic um challenges that we just create as a priesthood for the people to be afraid of and want to destroy whether it's global warming whether it's invisible you know uh, germs or whatever uh or whether it's just you know the big bad chinese commies who are out to destroy your your christian western civilization and it's our job as the steve bannonites often will conclude to uh defend christian uh humanism from it's antithesis in the Chinese atheistic commie bad guys or the Muslim uh, heretics or something like that. It's, it's, it's absurd. It's, but it's, it's the same thing with different um, flavors sold to different prejudiced uh, groups that you want to sell your crusade to. And it seems on the surface to be very different from the anti-global warming fanatics or, uh, you know, uh, Great Reset freaks or transhumanists. But in reality, the effect actually is much more compatible than many of them would like to admit. As we see now with a lot of the Republicans and uh, and Democrats sounding increasingly similar, as, you know, like a lot of anti-Great Reset uh, Republicans are sounding very similar to George Soros, who has also been calling for the overthrow of Xi Jinping and the overthrow of the evil authoritarian Chinese Communist Party for a couple of years now. And it's like, at what point do you realize, hey, we're sounding too much like George Soros? Maybe there's something we've <laughs> we've taken under our radar by accident here, which we should reevaluate before we continue on this path. Well, they're different different systems of beliefs and and ideologies. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's 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 wrong, right? It's just apparent to what customs that those people decide that they they want to live in, yeah. and 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 it falls back to the power of the individual. I think is where it truly lies. The power of uh, the power not in organized religion, not the power of governments, not the power of institutions, but the power of the individual. And I think that's one of the constructs that they try to build is this collective society. They think that we all have to fit in, whether you live in, in Europe, whether you live here in the United States. And 
you know, we're, we're built for free thought. We're built for free energy, the things that we believe in. And I believe that they do not want us to establish the true power that we have as individuals. They, they want us to always be forced into these paradigms of, of societies, of government, and all the, the structures that they have built that uh, really, really keep us in, in, at odds with each other, Matthew. Amen, brother. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't have said it better. That's exactly it. Yeah, so I mean, here we are. You know, we we have like a um, very interesting configuration of uh, ideas right now, animating certain states, statecraft in different parts of the world. And uh, you know, there there's pushes right now, and increasingly to um, light Iran on fire. Um, you know, uh, what's his name? Ben O'Malley. Ben Mali? O'Malley. O'Malley. Mm-hmm. The Rhodes Scholar deployed to manage the U.S.-Iran relations. Has just said, you know. We're not going to keep on trying to have diplomacy with with Iran, and he oh, said, yeah. you know, ultimately, you know, we're going to focus on other ways. And of, of course, he's referring to the intention to uh, to currently, you know, basically double down on the current regime change efforts using the uh, the mass protest movement, which is completely manipulated by the CIA in Iran. And it's been documented this in, in in Brookings Institute reports back in 2013, even. Um, exactly how they were going to do it, what they're doing that describes the current techniques to a T. And they've also said, we're going to still reserve the right, even though we have <laughs> Iran wants a nuclear bomb or has a, a nuclear bomb program, we're still going to reserve the right to militarily uh, bomb them. And it'll be a last resort, but we'll, we hold it. And you got idiots in, in Finland and Sweden as well saying, you know, not only do we want to get into your, into NATO, but we, uh, we don't want to set any red lines of what we're not willing to do. And if that means even hosting US controlled nuclear weapons, so, <laughs> These people are idiots, man. I swear to God. These people literally live in the biggest, dumbest bubble on God's green earth. Matt, have I shown you the picture of the head of Russian war policy for the United States? Go for it. This this is who is, you know, these are the types of individuals that are in charge of policymaking within the United States. Okay? I'm going to show you this. I showed it in the last show, but here he is. This is him. This is uh um uh what the hell's his name? Uh J- Jake Dixon. Okay? He's the senior analyst and Russia team lead for the for the Institute of the Study of War. Oh my god. He's 26 years old. Oh my god. That's I mean that's... this is a victim of of, of 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 too much soy. A lot of feminizing features, the, the skinny neck, the, the neck and the chin meeting up together. This is who's running the show in the West, man. People like this. And I can show you, I can show you their entire gaggle. And there's many, many more individuals that are in their 20s and 30s who've experienced nothing in life, who've graduated from these Ivy League schools, which are just worthless, worthless crap holes, right? And they literally believe the the literal bullshit that they create. And well, it's we like the Igor, Igor Deshenko as well, the Russia expert at Brookings under Stroke oh, Talbot, yeah. who was instrumental in compiling the 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 evidence used for the for both the the Stroke Talbot report as well as its sister report, the the Steele dossier. Yeah. Um, this guy is just a, a, a hedonistic shill. He had no connections in Russia whatsoever. He None. No he makes it up. Nothing. He was just a drug addict and, and alcoholic yeah. who uh, made things up in order to get some money from the FBI. And uh, like, and this is like their Russia expert of the, the most powerful think tank or second most powerful think tank in the U.S. 
yep. uh, shape and policy that's being deployed to overturn governments in Iran and, and, and elsewhere. It's like these are these are this is wild. Or even the nuclear sector, the, 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 the head of U.S. nuclear safety is like, you guys have seen what this guy looks like, eh? Like some oh my some S and M cross dressing yeah yeah he's character. He, he's oh, a flamer man an absolute flamer yeah like walking into his office running the nuclear safety policies of the U S government walking in with a dress and skirt and openly publishing himself with like you know gimp masks and stuff and acting like he's a dog like and he's proud of that stuff I mean you know like like patriarch Kirill is right like we. We have we have tranny like actual transvestites who are being brought into St. Paul's church to read yeah. uh, stories to yeah. kids in church or to name name the Pentecost of all things. Yeah, that's the name of the transsexual who was who was in the church. Her name, his name was Pentecost. Ah, yeah, no, there it's really wild. So if anybody's confused at this stage of the game of like who's on the right side of the history, uh, you're, you're hopeless. Uh, like <laughs> the terms and conditions are laid out pretty clearly. Putin and ironically, China has been trying to the Chinese leadership have been trying to awaken and educate us about our own better, reasonable, traditional natures and have been trying to talk to that for a long time. Um, they're still offering and still would like to avoid that world war. And Putin, last thing I'll just say here, he says, just to end with Putin as we began, the unipolar world is coming to an end. The West is, is incapable of single-handedly ruling the world. The, most, the world stands at a historical milestone ahead of the most dangerous and important decades since World War II. Humanity has two options. Either we continue accumulating the burden of problems that is certain to crush all of us, or we can work together to find solutions. Straight up, that's that's the that's the two pathways. That's so if we're gonna have a future, the best way to predict it is to create it. He's creating it, his allies in Eurasia are creating it. He wants to co-create it with us. Whether Absolutely. we actually are able to get our heads out of our ass in time to do that or not, I don't know yet. We'll see. But we really should be thinking seriously about these longer waves of of history. And what are the principled ideas that scare the shit out of the oligarchy? Because yeah. that's their their Achilles heels. Very well and said, I'm absolutely. To them throughout this this discussion, but they're there, and and that it can work. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us, man. Again, folks, once again, you can find him over at CanadianPatriot.org, CanadianPatriot.org, and the Rising Tide Foundation.net. Get his books, Volume One, Two, and Three. The Symphony of the, uh, I'm sorry, the Clash the of the Two Americas. Go yeah, ahead. and the Unfinished Symphony. The last thing I want to say, I know that what I just said about Kazaria especially might r ruffle a lot of feathers. Yeah, the people, wrong way, whatever. most people in alt media was told the exact opposite. Exactly. So <laughs> what I would say, if you want to really dig into that, um, that story, that research that I've done, volume three of the Clash of the Two Americas has a whole chapter just on that alone. Additionally, if you want to send me an email, um, I could send you some lectures I've done on the topic and I could send you the article uh, for free. Just uh, that would send it to me at uh, info at risingtidefoundation.net. I'll send you the material. You can internalize it. Click on the click on the links. So don't just believe what I'm saying. Verify that what I'm saying is actually verifiable. It is. But you do it yourself. And uh, like Jordy LaForge said, you know, don't take my word for it. Read the book. Um, reading Rainbow for those who anyway. Uh, actually, that was LeVar Burton. Yeah, Jordy LaForge was his uh, Star Trek <laughs> identity. Anyway, I get, I'm get. i getting ahead of myself. 
So that's it. Info at Rising Tide Foundation, not Rising Tide. Info at RisingTideFoundation.net. Very well. Gotcha. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. And with that being said, CJ, take it away. All right. Good stuff.